Passion, drive, and patience. That's the formula for winning championships and is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. They have superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, they've got it all ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins let's keep your ride or die alive today at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the following is a production of Dirty Mo Media. I'm prepared. Uh, I've got a case. We'll talk about that case on Monday. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to getting in a room with those guys and, and having a discussion. Hey guys, welcome to Actions Detrimental. I'm Denny Hamlin, driver of the number 11 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing and co-owner of 2311 for Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick. My co-host is Jared Allen, the purple vest guy, if you've been listening to this show for the past couple of weeks, um, and Denny's uh, social media guy who more or less follows Denny around every weekend between February and November. Yeah. Um, Jared, I have a beef with you. You cheated on me. Oh, you cheated on us. Just, just admit you cheated on us. Well, I mean, Bubba's was also a pro sport client. I get it, but we never got an invitation. Jared, well, it, we, we many weekends we we like to go to escape rooms, and Jared scouts them out, and it's that. Are we not part of your team? We even have a group text. The NASCAR Road Band. Bubba texted uh, Nico and I. In a group text uh, in the afternoon, and said, uh, "Hey, we got an escape room lined up. Do you guys want to go?" And it's uh, like, "Yeah, sure. Mm. We'll, we'll be your we'll be your plus two. So it was yeah, it was Bubba, Amanda, Blaney, uh, and his girlfriend, uh, me and Nico. Nico is Bubba's purple vest guy, um, and then Bubba's friend Mike, who I don't know his last name, but not Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so." Uh, you know, usually it's, it's kind of me, uh, you know, Austin, Ty, Larson, uh, Nico, Jared, who go to these escape rooms. You said nothing matches the Vegas, no, no. nothing will ever Which beat you the didn't Vegas go to. I didn't, no, I didn't. You I, cheated on us. I forget why. Uh, you had that, uh, tournament, that blackjack tournament. Oh, that's right. I, dude, I won. <laughs> no, I won so much money during that. Like, I'm glad it was worth it to yeah. miss it. But that but, escape room was good. That was a saw themed escape room, and yeah. I don't think there's any escape room out there that's gonna match, uh, at least the um, the coolness of an escape room, right? Because they have like saw characters in the escape room, and they have live actors. Um, it was really good. So, how does it compare to the one that was in California? Uh, if I'm power ranking our escape room experiences yeah. so far, the Saw one is first, the California one is second. Okay. And this one we did this past weekend is third. But I really think it just, you know, the Saw one was uh, designed to be like this 
you know, magnificent escape room, right? The California one was its own building in a sense. And then this one we did last weekend was in a mall. So like the walls are just dividers. Okay. Gotcha. Well, uh, tonight, big uh, national championship game for the uh, men's basketball. We have San Diego State, which is uh, Joe's alma mater. Is that about to say that right? Oh, really? Yeah, it is. He, yeah, I, I think that was his, actually his first coaching job. If I, huh, I did if, not know that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, versus UConn, Rod's team. Rod from uh, Rod Moskowitz from Pro Sport Management, uh, my agent. Uh, he is a nuts UConn fan. So, boy, UConn been blowing everyone out so far. Um, I, I'm going to go with San Diego State just because, like, I don't know what the spread is, but probably eight and a half, nine, something like that. I just think that it typically you get a little tighter during those championship games. I would know. But. <laughs> yeah, Rod, the UConn fan, also is like San Diego State will probably beat us. Said they have, they have I don't know anything about San Diego State or UConn, mm-hmm. but he said they just have way more length than UConn, way more height. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's. I, I think uh, I thought UConn had the. They have, you know, a couple guys that are beast down low, and their shooting has been absolutely crazy. It's you didn't really hear a whole lot about UConn during the season, but they got eight losses, and I was wondering, like, who who beat them eight times? They, it's interesting. They they've got a really great team, fun to watch. They kind of remind me of the Golden State Warriors, to be honest with you. Only a little bit more inside game when Golden State was in their heyday a few years ago. Have you um, watched much of the tournament this year? Like, has it been a good tournament? Um, I've. Oh my gosh. Yes, there was a buzzer beater in the final four for San Diego State and yeah, FAU. Uh, FAU. Yeah. Oh, it's funny because on my group text with my buddies, uh, they were jo- so Greg Fernelli, he had to go get his daughter or something. He's like, there's a minute left. I'm putting it on pause. Don't tell me who won in the group text. And right away, like 30 seconds later, now the game, I guess, had lost power. Um, I had to step out as well. And I just texted the group. No need to watch it. San Diego State just hit a buzzer beater to win. <laughs> that was five minutes before the end of the game. And and it, it happened. happened. So it was funny that, that it worked out that way. It's been a pretty good. I haven't watched. I mean, for the last few years, I've not filled out a bracket. I've just been too busy. That just I don't have a fantasy football team. I know I'm totally broke, breaking a bro code uh, when it comes to this stuff. But it is what it is. I'm, I'm too busy for it. But I, I love watching it for sure. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Once we get into race season, I feel like I just don't pay much attention to any other sports besides like the the big events. Yeah. Well, speaking of big events, the last thing we got to talk about for racing is the Masters this week. Love the Masters. Um, man, it's going to be exciting, the buildup over the like, how do the live players play, right? I mean, that's kind of the argument, and live is basically a – new golf series that broke away that we're paying a a bunch of guys a lot of money to build this league up to challenge the PGA um, and and that series. Uh, But they have been allowed now to compete in the major events for the PGA. So um, some of, I mean, some of the best players in the world, Cam Smith, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka and his heyday, he's probably dropped off a little, although I thought he won this weekend. Pretty sure he won. Um, Man, they they're, they're going to be contenders to win, and if a live player wins the Masters, 
all hell will break loose on that. I mean, in, the in odds Georgia. are a live player will win, right? No, there's more PGA players than live players in the Masters. Okay. Uh, so PGA's got a strong advantage on that. Uh, but they're going to compete. They're definitely going to compete. So I can't wait to watch the Masters. It's something that uh, we used to be able to do as a uh, – it used to be an off week for us uh, to – uh, be able to watch, but we're going to go dirt racing and, uh, you know, get pounded with dirt in our face, uh, during, during Easter. So that's fantastic. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, it, you know, it was a big weekend. I tell you who's big weekend for Hendrick motorsports. That's for sure. Um, they won the race with Kyle Larson. Uh, they won their appeal. Um, certainly it was a very unprecedented appeal where, you had uh, the committee agree that they broke the rules, but yet took away the points penalty, which that's really the only thing that matters. Um, so surely NASCAR is livid about this. I, I think they showed their lividness by sending both of Bowman and uh, Byron's cars to the R&D Center uh, after the race. And I would suspect that will go on for a little while <laughs> because they do not, you know, they obviously NASCAR, they, you know, I, I said this in my media Friday that NASCAR was very clear to us as the teams that do not screw around with this car. You've asked us to do these single source parts. So don't mess with them. And if you do the pine, the fine will, and, and the points will be so heavy that, it's going to deter you from doing it. I wonder if the panelists were privy to that information, though, because you know that whole, you know, those words that that Steve O'Donnell spoke to us as the teams when they all sat us down and said, "Here's the new points penalties uh, for these these next gen cars." You know, he was very adamant and says, "I'm telling you, this is it's like this, and it's so harsh because." You know, you shouldn't be messing with them, and it messes up our whole business model as teams. And for, you know, frankly, it made me mad as a, the owner of twenty three eleven because, like, I don't want to have to go hire three design engineers to figure out how to screw with factory parts. Right? It I made mean, you mad that you know they they got off on the on the point. Oh, the Hendrick. Yeah, because yep. you know it was supposed to be a big penalty because they broke a big rule, right? Yep. I mean, it's the biggest, single biggest rule on, um, the only other thing you could do really is have counterfeit parts. Uh, that's maybe even bigger. But um, I saw Jordan Bianchi's article where all these, you know, he, he, was, he was so smart. <laughs> Given everyone say, hey, it'll be totally anonymous. Tell me what you think about this. And he asked nine crew chiefs, three competition directors, and I mean, you can read a couple of their just just give me a couple of their quotes. Jared. So the first one, and I like this one the most. How can you be half pregnant? Said a crew chief. If Hendrick truly did something, then why did they get their points back? And if they didn't do anything, then why fine and suspend them? Makes no sense. I don't understand it. And then another crew chief. I'm disappointed. The one thing NASCAR has made clear is we're not supposed to mess with vendor parts. Period. They've been as clear as day. If you do that, you're going to get hammered. So then explain to me how they get their points back. The one thing that really, really, really matters in the big picture, I don't get it all. Yeah. I mean. And then another one. It's stupid This is the sentiment. I, I can tell you. I, I live. I, I, I know the team part of it, the owner's part of it. 
the teams are mad about this. There's no question. NASCAR's mad about it, and the teams are mad about it. There's only one team that's happy about the result, that's for sure. Um, because it does, this breaks what this whole car's business model was um, built around. Um, but again, you know, if the panelists did not understand, if they use past precedent for penalties of money and points, then that's, you can't use those precedents because this is a new rule, a new age with the cars. So I'm wondering, you know, if that was an argument or not by Hendrick, but, um, but man, yeah, to, to say that, yes, we agree that they broke the rules, but we're going to give them this back. It's just a weird spot. And, and you can bet your ass that NASCAR is going to revamp that rule book ASAP to say, you know, probably here it is. It's all points, no money. And, you know, to try to make it crystal clear that you can't go back on, on that. So, you know, my question with this is, is that now that this is over, why can't we be transparent? These are supposed to be factory off the shelf parts that are untouched. So, you know, like when we got a DQ last year at Pocono and we took the nose out, we put it behind our hauler for everyone to see, TV to come do a story about it. Why why can't we be transparent? What is there to hide? There's no information or proprietary information that we should hide from the media or public, right? Like Hendrick, if you're innocent, okay, show us. Yeah. How 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 this was right. And NASCAR, if it was wrong, show us how it was wrong. Like this this would be a we're missing facts and it's causing so much speculation in the in the media world and in the public that you know you really need to be transparent to to show these people what what it all is going on. And and certainly if you want to deter it from happening, and I said it last week, then call these people out. Show you know show the people what what rule was broken. We used to have parts all around the back of the hauler, NASCAR hauler, that they would confiscate that were they they deemed illegal before tech. I mean, there would be it'd be like a yard sale back there, uh, back in the days when we used to build everything our own. Um, but yeah, these are factory parts that you should be able to buy off the shelf. So why not just set it out there and and show us show us what it is? Because the speculation for for two and a half weeks or whatever it is was just crazy. Um, but I, I guess it's you. still possible that after this colleague appeal, we could get that um, transparency. No chance. No. No. No do way. You, do you think there's even like if Hendrick if if you know the penalty and everything was overturned for Hendrick, why are like I feel like NASCAR should just cancel this colleague appeal because certainly they can't the ruling can't be any different now, right? If they're if the they've broken the same rule, right, or are accused of breaking the same rule, we can't have on Wednesday or Thursday whenever this comes out that oh colleague's penalty stands but Hendrick's penalty was uh, changed. Jared, that would you're be, being way too rational. Like, I mean, I, I'm assuming the panelists will be different. Right, that's what their I'm saying. Argument, this is going to be... Their argument it's a whole may new be case, different, right? Right, absolutely. Unless colleague just goes and gets Hendrix people and say, hey, here's... here's now, now, the shitty part, part would be, right, is that they uphold colleagues. Right. And, you know, from what I understand, they did absolutely nothing. 
uh, they just received this that maybe was accidentally sent to them. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a no win situation for anyone. This colic appeal for sure, because uh, I think there is, they are the most innocent party of anyone. Um, but I don't know, maybe some panelists will see it differently. You just don't know. Um, but I, you know, I see people really upset with the process. You have to have this though, right? I mean, the way NASCAR set this up where they levy the, the penalties and the fines, and then they have an independent panel judge on that. I think that's the right thing to do. I really do. I think you have to have an independent party. And, and certainly over the last 18 months, we've seen that the, the panel has ruled against NASCAR more than they've agreed with NASCAR, with an exception. One exception. There's been one penalty that has been increased in the last 18 months. That was Denny Hamlin's penalty from a loose wheel. Somehow a loose wheel cut and dry was increased for my 11 car last year. People forget about that. So I don't know. Before I'm curious. Um, so first question, do you have with the parts coming from different manufacturers, do you have a surplus of these parts at your race shop? So let's say surplus. No, so, nothing is surplus. Okay. So then hypothetically, of course, you receive a part that doesn't fit on your car and you don't have a surplus of parts. What do you, how, how do you go about that? <laughs> Jared, this, Hypothetically, is, this was not a fit issue. <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just call it as this was not a fit issue. Uh, I understand that it was probably the defense, but, um, it was not a fit issue. Right. But to answer your question fairly, um, you probably go to NASCAR and I think say, you already answered my question. <laughs> yeah. Question. You probably go to NASCAR and say, Hey, this isn't fitting properly. Uh, we need to make adjustments. And what they will probably do is say, okay, make adjustments. And then NASCAR will say, send us pictures or we'll send somebody by the shop to approve whether this okay. is the correct way. And we approve that you're not changing the fit to be a performance advantage. That's, I think that's typically how it would work. Because I know early on when we had fit issues, when the next gen car just started, um, they would request the teams, if you have to cut something, hammer something to fit, like send us pictures so we can give you the thumbs up before you put a, a wrap on it. And now given the track record of the appeals panel over the last 12 months, 18 months, is it worth it for teams to find these loopholes um, and then you know break the rules in a sense knowing that they have a good case to go to court that they could win like is the potential gain outweigh the potential penalty yes if NASCAR doesn't beat you to the punch I think they're going to change the rules sooner than later as they should um but to, not till next year, right? The rule. The, I don't know. They, I mean, they update rules weekly. To be honest with you, I mean, I don't know about these big ones, but yep. but they do change rules in the rule book weekly. To you know, when something comes up unforeseen that they didn't see coming, like they'll put rules in to kind of make sure that you know they keep this thing organized. So, I think yes is the short answer to your question. That yes, this opens it up to the teams to have a case to do it but would you really take that chance that 
maybe your three panelists don't have the same opinion. And then do you want to spend a hundred grand per car, you know, risking the, the, the cheating? I, I don't think so. I think that, um, NASCAR, the, tr- trust me, they are not happy about this at all. There's nobody happy about this for sure. Other than Hendrick. So they had a great week. Congratulations to them. They made a case. They won the case. So, um, it, uh, it all worked out, but, uh, you know, we, you know, well, they had a great weekend, obviously, uh, with, with William Byron and, and Kyle Larson. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, we didn't have such a great week. You know, when we were starting this podcast, I was, you know, kind of waking myself up and slapping myself in the face. It's like, oh, this is just one of those weeks where, like, I don't want to do this today. Dale Jr. told you what? He's like, hey, man, you're going to, you're just going to have weeks where you don't want to do it. And I'm like, yep. Well, this is my first one. I don't know what episode we're on, but I I I don't have a whole lot of motivation. Um, a lot of that stems around my race, and it stems around having the fastest car in Richmond again and not winning, and not only not winning, but finishing twentieth. Um, just so agitated. I'm agitated. Uh, even, you know, I, I was super agitated after the race, you know, honestly, you know, me and my crew chief had some disagreements and stuff about uh, some things. And, you know, I think that's healthy, by the way, I think that it's good to every now and again, you know, uh, to challenge each other to, to do better. And, and I, you know, I actually like it when he challenges me as a driver, uh, to be better. Um, with my skill set, my technique, um, that's what makes me better, right? Is it, he opens my eyes to, um, you know, and I think that really he revamped my career in 2019 with challenging me in different ways to be a better race car driver. And, you know, certainly things didn't pan out, um, for us on the 11 car. We, uh, came back from a pit road penalty, the first pit road penalty, um, and, and it was crazy. I knew during the race, before the race, I was like, you know, 
if I have a very good car, which I'll know probably in 10 to 15 laps of the race, um, all I need to do is chip away a couple spots here and there and no mistakes. And we're going to, we'll win the race. I, I just feel that confident in my skill set at that racetrack and the, and the techniques I use. Um, I get a speeding penalty right off the bat. First pit stop that came from, so the, the, the pit road has bends to it. So the first, I think four sections of pit road is curved. So NASCAR does their pit road speed based on the very inside of that curve. So you actually can run well above pit road speed if you're running up where you're supposed to by the wall. Because it when takes you longer to get from segment to segment? Yes. It takes you longer so your speed is, is higher, right? And they're pretty conservative with you know how they, um, they do the pace, pace car speed anyway. So we have it down to a pretty good science of how, many, how much extra we can speed in certain sections. Uh, but down at the end of pit road where it curves again, right around pit box 10 or so. Michael McDowell was my mark on the pit exit to, I can then speed up. Well, Joey Legato, he left his pit stall and he gassed it up real quick, uh, trying to get, you know, beat me off pit road. And I gassed up real quick to get back even with him. And it was before my Michael McDowell mark where I can start to speed again. And so I knew, I knew that I was, you know, busted before, but my team made a great, call again to go long um i think we pitted seven laps later and uh and and you know but when we went through the field we uh, started that run thir- uh, 14th and i got probably half of those back on on um the restart i i got three or four positions there and then just started going through the field and i knew like my car was so freaking strong um but we won the stage, um, and then you know we 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 got control of the race at that point. Like at that point, it's it's so frustrating because it's our race to lose. Because once you put the fastest car out front, which I was very certain we had the fastest car, us in the nineteen, I thought were head and shoulders over the rest of the field, um, and neither one of us win. It's so goddamn frustrating, but. Um, we just both lost it on pit road in a different kind of manner. Like we had a, you know, I came in first on the green fly pick stop, had a 22 second stop, which is like the less than one percentile of pit stop times in our whole series. Um, luckily for me though, you know, what would have been a bigger detriment was that that right front tire changer, not go back and re tighten that right front tire. Uh, and then I, have a flat tire or the wheel comes off, then I have suspension or, or I think it's a two lap penalty. Now, um, at least he recognized that wheel's not tight. And although it took a long time for them to go back, rejack it up and retighten it. And it was 22 seconds. You know, Hey, I lost 12 seconds that run, you know, that, yep. that stop. And I went from leading the race to 11th. Um, but, but yeah, it's just tough because all you have to do is execute when, once you get, once you get out there, and I thought that it was going to be smooth sailing from there. Uh, I never pushed my car one bit, um, and we just were fast. We, you know, my team's just got a great setup for that racetrack, and you know, pair that with, you know, how many laps I've got there, how many, you know, my technique there. Like we were going to be tough to beat, but um, you know, before that, you know, obviously have to 
address the JJ incident. Uh, it's very, very obvious, people, that I had no intention to wreck JJ Yaley. Why would I wreck JJ Yaley for 30th place? I was dead last in the back of the pack trying to make my way through. A caution didn't help us. I don't even think we pitted because uh, we didn't have tires anyway. So it's not like I needed a caution. Uh, but uh, I got pinched off. Uh, so I got to the outside of JJ off of turn four. You can see that a little bit on the in-car camera. And I was I had uh, somebody, I think the 38 or, I don't know, 21, somebody on the outside of me. And he pinched me up into them. And so I checked up real quick. And I was like, damn it, JJ. And so my what I was trying to do was trying to get right behind him and then go in the corner and show my left front and kind of just you know, get him wedged off of off the bottom so I can just take the bottom on him because I couldn't I couldn't complete the pass on the outside. Uh, but really, I, I went back and I, I couldn't realize because it happened so quick. Like, wh what the f happened? Like, how did how did I misjudge this that badly? And I look at uh, I looked at the data and I saw that you know JJ checked up about a hundred feet early and got on the brake quite a bit sooner. But it's still my it's still my responsibility. Let's not we're not don't get it twisted. I'm not blaming JJ for any of this whatsoever. Uh, he's just out there trying to get a good finish for his team, and they've been making that 15 car quite a bit better. So um, I I definitely am not one of those guys that tries to hurt one of the lower teams. I, I do my best to help lower teams all the time. Uh, but I just made a mistake, and I tried to drive in there right there on his bumper and then start to cut low, but I never even got to the cut low part because when I drove in there and I was up his ass anyway, as soon as he checked up, I just I just ran right in the back of him. and I mean, I slammed on the brakes as hard as I could, uh, but it's just one of those deals that <laughs> I fucked up, you know. Um, it certainly wasn't delivered. I hate it for for JJ. We were teammates together, J, uh, JGR, um, early in my career. Uh, he's a great dude, and um, I you know I like everyone on that Rick Ware team. So uh, we were pitted right next to him, and you know I knew JJ was going to be super pissed because when you're in his position, right, you're just you're just trying to you know make laps, make your program better, get a good finish that day, and all of a sudden you just get jacked from behind. He never even had a chance to catch the car. Um, because I, I, I went into him with such a rate of speed, but, um, you know, yeah, I looked and I didn't drive in any differently than I had every other lap, but I just, I was too close to him. And when he hit the brakes and I was still in the gas, it was game over for him. So apologize to them. I'll, uh, I'll reach out to JJ and figure out and or the team and figure out if I can do anything to help them, uh, recover from this. So that's, that's my bad. I did think sure. it was interesting. Uh, on one of the camera angles on that that long pit stop that you had, you said JJ was pitted in front of you. His team was either, they were either, obviously they're disappointed, right, that, that their car gets wrecked um, and you're leading the race and you're pitting. They were either happy that you guys had a, a bad pit stop or they were like the away fans behind a mm -hmm. basketball team, right? The, the, that guy's shooting a free throw and they're trying to cause all this commotion to alter the result yeah. of of the pit stop well I, you know what one thing i do got to give props to is jj because I, I i saw um quotes from uh his uh crew chief that right after the wreck they uh they said to jj uh all right let's get this car fixed and, and then go out there and get them and jj responded why don't y'all just concentrate on getting the car fixed like you know i i appreciate that from from him and 
Um, you know, I again, what motivation do I have to, to wreck someone running 30th when I'm 31st? It, it, it didn't benefit me whatsoever. Um, it just screwed their day up. So again, everyone makes mistakes. I say it every week and I'm going to be the first to always admit when, when I feel like I, I totally had a blunder and that was a dramatic blunder, just a huge miscalculation. Was speaking of Truex and, and how good he was all day, was it a miscalculation on their part to more or less run out of tires at the end of that race strategy? wise? Well, that the way the race played out. Um, so, what I noticed is that at Richmond, NASCAR's pretty scarce with their tire allotment, uh, which sometimes it makes for pretty good strategy when you have to manage your tires. Um, I think Xfinity Series at times gets very um, interesting because some people will pit, some will not because they want to save tires for the end. Maybe there's a shootout, maybe not. But there was some more. There was more cautions at the end of the race and even at the beginning, I guess, uh, from the JJ wreck that. People, some people decided to take tires, some did not. And typically that race has, it goes green, um, the last stage, which that's the argument for my crew chief. You know, when I kind of challenged him on strategy, he was like, you know, look at the last X races here, right? They all, they all go green. Um, that was his argument. Yeah. And, and, and mine was like, let's make a call to win the race. The call is, you know, uh, I'm running ninth right at the end of the race um, he was trying to get me a good or better finish by, you know, giving me a strategy I could run fifth or sixth with. And, you know, again, I'm in the heat of the moment and I'm really upset about the day. And I'm like, give me a call to win the race. You know, either if you run me long, run me all the way long, or if you're going to run me short, weigh me, run me way short. Uh, at the time I was five seconds behind the leader. So that's about two and a half laps or t- three laps. I needed to pit, uh, uh, before the leaders and I would have been the leader. And then if I got two or three lap older tires, um, than the leader, good luck passing me. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I just think that I would have had a really good shot, but the caution came out and th- you know, either one of those strategies, Josh Berry had that strategy of staying out. Either one of them will work, but you know, when you think about it, you got to think about it from the team standpoint, they can't, they can't guess for a unknown caution, right? So they're, they're going to make the solid play to get the solid finish. Me at home, I want to win. I, yeah. You know, it, 20th, 6th, doesn't f- matter to me. Like the speeding penalty at the end I had, I, I'm running 13th, guys. Like I'm trying to get to 11th. So should I, where I should have finished is like 11th, 12th, something like that with, you know, but I finished 20th because I'm pushing on pit road to try to get back some of these spots that, that we lost throughout the day. And so, you know, the second penalty, it wasn't meaningless. It was mean, it, it, it cost me probably, you know, eight, nine spots on my finishing position, which they all matter. Like all these points matter, but I'm just, I'm just hot under the collar because, you know, I'm trying to get to a a win total. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to execute perfectly. Uh, all these races from here to the end of my career, whenever that is. Um, and I just feel like, damn it, we've had so many races where if we just can control the race on pit road, um, we, we will win them and we just, things haven't worked out, but, um, it's tough because JGR, I thought had the dominant cars, the Toyota, I thought were dominant cars, especially in the long run and to not have any of them winning, 
um, you know, it forces us to kind of look at look at us and figure out how we can get better for sure. Yeah, I put you off on a on a tangent there, but the the Truex stuff with the tires you were mentioning. Yeah, so I, he had to pit, and if you didn't notice, he had to pit at the end and put on scuff tires. So he was yeah. on six lap tires at the end. And everyone around him was on brand new tires. So he must have pitted sometime throughout the day, maybe on the early pit, uh, and, and didn't have tires left. So, um, yeah, it's a tough thing for Truex. It's right before the race during the driver intros, I asked Truex, says, we going to get back to our winning ways today? He's like, damn, I hope so, man. It's been, been miserable. So, man, I know he's frustrated. He's, he's as frustrated as I am right now for sure. And we're about to go into our JGR meeting and hash it all out, uh, here in a couple hours. But, but yeah, it's just, you know, we, we mess up and, and the Hendrick guys execute the five car was nothing special by any means, but he, he had a full, you know, executed a, a great day. He had one incident on pit road. I saw with a 99 probably cost him a second, maybe two, but so many of these races are won by teams just not up and um it's something that certainly i got to clean up on my end i got plenty to look in the mirror at to get better at and um i want to get back to winning because these these finishes are unacceptable especially the way we're running i know a media member asked me this weekend hey you got the second best average running position of anyone in the field you're 11th in points can you explain that I said, first I said, yeah, green, white checkers. I've lost so many freaking spots at the green and the green, white checkers. But this we this race was just an absolute disaster from a execution standpoint, especially on my end. Yeah. Truex's last win was actually at Richmond 50 races ago, uh, September 11th, 2021. Um, one thing Kyle said after winning the race, and it's funny cause I've, I've watched him do this before a few sprint car races, um, traveling with him is, he went back and was watching old videos of himself in 2021 <laughs> to see what he was doing, how he was talking, what his mindset was, um, and mentioned that with this next-gen car, it's difficult to keep your confidence up or, or get your confidence up in the first place. Do you feel that way? Sometimes. Sometimes, sure. I mean, you, you always have self-doubt, but I mean, I don't think anyone would ever think, oh, Kyle Larson would never self-doubt himself, right? He knows he can go to a World Outlaws race or a high-limit race and kick everyone's ass any day of the week and you know you're always going to put him at, at one of the top of the list as far as naturally talented race car drivers but sometimes when you're in a slump you know on a finishing position I don't think Kyle's been in a slump necessarily on how he's been running I just think he's been in a slump finishing same as us right it just takes one win I thought this was going to be the one for us where it's like all right let's kick start our season off for real now like we're about to go into you know it's the Martinsville's the the tracks that we're super good at, Richmond's, it's time to start kicking ass. This is this is where we start kicking in the gear every year. Um, and that's what makes me frustrated about it. But for Kyle, you know, huge momentum boost now for him. Um, Josh Berry, great to see him get a good run with great strategy. He Michael McDowell got a great finish as well for, with using the same strategy, just going long. And it and it honestly, it's easy to play that strategy when you're not running well. And a lot of times you see teams that um, you, you can kind of rank them and there are official rankings of crew chiefs that improve their driver's position or drivers that, that finish way better than they're running. A lot of it is they have nothing to lose. They know they're not going to win. They're not even going to run top 10 or 15 uh, unless they throw a Hail Mary 
and when sometimes the hail mary gets caught and at the end when the caution came it it, it they caught their receivers josh berry and michael mcdowell did um bowman another solid run he's not running as good as his teammates but he is just plucking along and leading the points by just being there every week he's he's consistency he's consistency and he's executing not making any mistakes so Bomish finished eighth it says scoring his sixth top 10 finish in seven races yeah he's just kind of top tenning the field to death now you won't be able to get away with that in the playoffs for certain but you know if you win a regular season championship that's 15 bonus points that'll give you a little cushion so uh that they're, they're really doing a great job for sure um Austin Sindrick, you know, we're kind of well, before you move down to yeah. to the we're reading off the the loser sheet. Um, another person who's not on this winners list, but if you want to give them their flowers, um, Ty also had his third straight top ten this weekend. Yep. After three episodes ago, I think you had talked about, hey, just focus on being your best, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 um, like I say, you, said to you know, do, do as I say, do as I say, not as I do, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, Ty. Uh, I don't know. I think I've passed him about 20 times in the last two weeks, but he continues to beat me in results every week. So maybe I need to kind of look at that <laughs> and figure out what I need to do. But he was solid. Um, wasn't great, but he was solid. Um, and I think, you know, given his inexperience, he's just going to take this and continue to get better and better. And now we're starting to see him reel off three straight top tens in a row. Uh, that's really good for that team and his confidence because I think Ty is one of those confidence drivers that he can get – I, I, he's very similar to Bubba. People don't want to realize he's very similar to Bubba in his emotions where he can, he can get super high or can get super low. And so yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to with, with what you said to him a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had, a, you know, he had a tough, tough day after practice at, at Phoenix, but he's, he's rebounding. He's rebounding really, really well. So I'm happy for him. Good kid. All right. Go back to your, your losers. Yeah. Y'all, I mean, <laughs> y'all put on a sheet here, just winners and losers. Uh, you know, I had listed the Larson, Barry, McDowell, Mo- Bowman losers, uh, besides myself, which is the obvious one. Um, Austin Sindrick, man, it just, for whatever reason, he's not running that well, uh, finished 28th. I know that, uh, it looked like he was struggling. Um, you know, it's not on the list, but I, the first thing that came to my mind was Tyler Reddick. Um, you know, he, after a win last week. Uh, you know, I think we just got to figure out with Tyler how to keep him under the tire. He, he he gets the most out of his race car, but sometimes it really, on tracks like these, it can really uh, be a detriment to your long run speed. And he's had a really tough track record at this at Richmond uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, we, we got to work with that 45 team. The 23 team, you know, of course, Michael's in town uh, sitting on the box and you know, there's no extra pressure that that Jordan's sitting <laughs> on your pit box, but uh, we 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 fumbled the ball there uh, on pit road, and especially during a green flag pit stop, you cannot make a mistake because, especially a penalty mistake, uh, because you'll go laps down. And so they were they rebounded, but they were going to run in the top ten. Uh, again, Bubba needed that for his confidence, and then instead he, he finishes bad and probably is as pissed off as I am right now. Uh, Blaney says uh, he had a pair of pit road miscues, damaged Blaney's chances Sunday, he finished 26th. 
Another track where Blaney usually is super fast at the first half and then not so great at the second half. Um, again, I, I kind of put him in that same category with Tyler Reddick that like they can get so much speed out of their cars um, that it's sometimes a detriment at these types of racetracks, like the, that that style. So you really got to be able to, to adapt. And and Almendinger was was not good. Uh, um, Chandler Smith, I, he was back there. With uh, when I went to the back of the pack, they were always one of the first couple cars that I passed, and so I was like, "Man, the Cola guys were were struggling all day for sure." But that does remind me because I we we didn't go over the truck and Xfinity race. Uh, shout out to Chandler Smith for getting his very first Xfinity win. Uh, he is doing phenomenal, phenomenal in the in the Xfinity series. Um, just in in my mind, way out out doing expectations i thought he was very very good in uh, kyle's trucks last year but you always wonder like is that the truck is it you know because kyle's trucks historically have just been really very really good. good fast compared to the field but now he's going there and colleagues got yeah you know, i actually consider it very close race between jgr colleague you know jgr's maybe better overall at all types of tracks but I don't, yeah, maybe I could argue that because Almendinger smoked, everyone was way faster than the field at, at Coda. But shout out to Chandler Smith for getting his very first Xfinity win. That kid is very, very good. He's going to be in the Cup Series full time and a few years. You can, you can book, you can bookmark that for sure because he's got the talent to do it. Uh, he's a great driver and uh, awesome to see. And then next one was the truck race at uh, Texas. Texas. Uh, great to see Carson Hosefar get his very first win. Super exciting. I, I was very disappointed for Nicholas Sanchez. Sanchez, again, is one of those drivers where you're thinking, well, he's winning an ARCA, but what does that mean, right? I mean, ARCA is just, you know, struggles a time. There's only a, just a couple really good cars, and but he was winning in them. And now he comes to the truck series, and that dude is lightning fast. Now he is in, like I talked about, the KVM truck, the switch from Toyota to Chevy. Uh, but it appears that they kept their speed over the year um, at KVM by switching manufacturers. You know, their trucks do look very, very strong, very fast. But Nick Sanchez did a absolutely great job all day long. He led the entire race. But you could just tell at the end of it, he was getting a little bit tight. Like, he wasn't entering the corner quite as hard as I saw him enter when he was looser in the middle of the race, beginning of the race. And it kept allowing Zane Smith to inch on him, inch on him, inch on him. And, um, you know, it just, you could tell how that race was unfolding. It's like, uh, Zane's eventually going to get position on him um, if he doesn't just race looser, right? You know, drive his truck further on the edge. But he's trying not to make a mistake. The last thing you want to do as a leader is like, you know, drive in too deep right. and give the win to second place because you've missed your line. So, you do. That's why you see in these races, all series, the leader, if second is within shouting distance, they do tighten up a little bit because you don't want to just give the. You want to make the second place earn it, so you just back off a little bit to stay under the tire. And you saw Sanchez do it just a little too much that allowed Zane to. And Zane's such a great driver himself. Speaking of, which, I'm sitting here talking about this. There's so many great young drivers coming up, like. I thought this was like a problem a few years ago, but I think I think we've got some awesome talent that is 
waiting in the wings to to move up. So the, now to the, find seats for him, that's the hard part. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I mean, hey, there's there's probably a, a bunch of them, uh, you know, going to be available at Stuart Haas. You know, with with Harvick leaving, we don't know Eric's future. Um, we don't know a lot of guys' future. Uh, so I think that there'll be rides available. It's just a matter: will the teams take these guys? You know, uh, the inexperience, be patient with them to, to make it. But I do, you know, I, I just want to give the, the other, you know, the truck series and the Xfinity series their due time on this show as well, because we had two first time winners, uh, in their respective series. And so congratulations to them. Uh, all the future is bright for them. Uh, and, and we saw some great racing. Dear Danny, we've got some questions that we want to ask. And we need him fast We tried to ask Junior But his answers were lame And with DBC It was more of the same Now we're calling on you Cause you're our only hope This ain't the race track So maybe you won't choke Moving on to Dear Denny Last week you mentioned Being in the sim quite a bit How much time do you spend In the sim each week? And what are you looking to learn when you're in the sim? I think this question uh, is good for this week because we're headed into to Bristol dirt. And how much can you learn in a sim on a dirt track? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I say almost nothing, but it's the team will value it. Uh, I went to our uh, 2311 victory lunch uh, last week. Uh, Monster uh, hosted a, a, a victory lunch for us. And so... I saw this, you know, we have a little area where we have the static simulator. And of course, the uh, the 2311 engineers were like, hey, um, since you're here, would you mind running a few laps of Bristol Dirt? And I'm like, oh my gosh, guys. I'm like, no, I'm not running it. And finally, they gave me the old puppy dog eyes. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll run a few laps. And so I, I, I ran in it and was like, okay, I got a good rhythm here. I don't know how much this really applies, but they were like, Hey, you know, it was useful for us. So, yeah. so thanks. But, um, I won't run the sim this week. Uh, I typically only run the simulators on road courses. Um, clearly I need to run more simulator time on road courses. Uh, but I think just, I'm not saying it's not valuable, but you know, the experience I have on some of these racetracks, I feel like, you know, Richmond, right. What am I, you know, I spent a ton of time, actually post Richmond last year, uh, making sure we had the tire right on our simulator. Um, and you know, it, it, because if you do that, then all of a sudden the work that the team puts in through with their simulation driver or with the engineers, they can get your setup pretty dialed in, um, before you even hit the racetrack. And, and it was apparent that, you know, all the JGR cars were, were very strong. Um, so that, that's kind of what I do is if they need more information or they feel like a tire is not matching a track, well, I'll spend some time in the simulator. Um, but I mostly do it on road courses, but you have some guys, uh, you know, I know Tyler Reddick runs the simulator, Bubba runs simulator weekly. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I don't as much because I, I, I feel like at times, uh, my time could be used uh, more valuable in, in a different area. Sometimes it could be just studying data. Uh, I feel like I gain as much looking at data as I do actually running. So, um, but yeah, it's, I would say it's different for every driver. So every team has a simulation driver, obviously, no. right? No, no, okay. o- only the, really only the top tier teams, to be honest with you, uh, probably have a full time, 
uh, simulator driver. Okay. So those guys are in the sim running to help the teams figure out a baseline setup, right? When Bubba, correct me if I'm wrong at any point in this, when Bubba or Tyler are running, they're running to get a better feel for the track? Yeah. So and it, that and, setup? And, and set, yeah. So they're getting reps to be able to, when we only have 20 minutes of practice, um, the team wants the driver ready to go. Yep. Like, you know what line was fast in the simulator, do it in real life, right? Uh, I know that Tyler Reddick gave a lot of credit to uh, uh, Toyota Simulator for helping him getting getting fast. And then, you know, uh, our employment of our uh, Coke Series driver, Keegan Leahy, at 2311. Uh, he, you know, I, again, I watched it firsthand, but, you know, he, he made Tyler faster. There's no question about it. Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, simulator is, is in, in CFD, all the computers is kind of where our series is, is headed. Um, being that there's less and less track time. Do you, Denny, have any new routines or try new methods now that you may not have when you were younger to try and maximize recovery or make an effort to elongate your career? Perhaps, mm. perhaps the DH11 method. The DH11? The TB12 method. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not the same, Jared. Stop <laughs> trying to compare, please. Um, yes, um, I do. Uh, I, listen, I'm so active, and, and I was actually talking to my crew chief about this, that I, I believe that, like, when I got out of the car at Coda and I was, want, like, I was money. Like, I don't run cool shirts unless it's super hot outside. Uh, I never, the, the only, the last time I feel like I fell out of the seat, but I didn't fall out of the seat because we ran well and we finished well was um, at Road America. I, I kind of did a semi faint after that event. Um, I didn't have, that was before I ran cool shirts and it was boiling hot during that race. Um, I believe what I do outside of racing helps my stamina uh, in the race car. I, I, I got out of the car at Coda, and everybody in front of me was laying down on the ground up against the door of their car. like, And you could see they were freaking gassed. And I went to Victory Lane. I saw Tyler Reddick, and I was like, he's like, do, do you, you have a protein shake or, or something? Like, I, I don't feel well. And he was just, he's gassed, right? And, and I joked around last week in, in, on, on this podcast and says, well, maybe I'm just not driving hard enough. But that's, that's clearly not it, people. It's, I think it's the, the cardio I have during basketball. It really keeps me good as far as you know, my stamina in the race car. Um, as an example, Jackson Gibbs, who is a uh, pit crew member, who is a phenomenal athlete, um, he's a, a tire changer for Christopher Bell. We had him come play basketball. He was a fill-in sub in my basketball league. And the dude pulled himself out of the game multiple times because he's like, I, I, I'm dead. I got nothing. I'm, I'm weak in the knees. I don't feel well. And he's low 20s playing in a 40 to 50 old man league. And like we're all playing full minutes. And like finally with three minutes to go, he's like, I can't go any further. Like I'm, I'm out. He's sweating. He was done. And it's like, I'm wondering how much that plays a factor in my stamina in these races where I don't get tired because I just, you know, one, my heart rate is typically lower than the field, but two, um, I think that what I do outside the, the race car helps my stamina in the race car. And then afterwards, like I try to, you know, I, I, I bought a cold plunge, put it 
out on the on the back porch here and uh i try to get in it you know post race i'll come home and get in it you don't want to get in it 15 20 minutes after you're super hot but i am not one of those joe rogan guys that can get in a cold plunge at 40 degrees uh in the morning like Whew, those are the real heroes like i there's no way i my body has to be semi-hot for me to get in there and withstand it but I'll, I'll get in the cold plunge for probably um six to eight minutes at 40 to 45 degrees and um and it really helps helps me recover i mean i've got a bum shoulder i've got to get this thing fixed sooner than later i can't sleep on it can't lay on it, it wakes me up in the middle of the night um it's the same surgery i had on my left shoulder that I need to get done. It's a hereditary problem where my bone has grown into my rotator cuff. Uh, so yeah, when you get older, you better be on it with your, your physical regimen routine because it, it is tough. Now that you mention it, I've subbed for just about every basketball team in that hoop group league for all the same reason. I have no basketball skill. I can't score. They just want a 20 some year old guy we to need come, a body. Yeah. To run around and not get tired. I've never subbed for your team. For good reason. You stink. <laughs> or I'm trying to give you credit. You don't need a sub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, we have six people in our basketball league, so we, we rotate people in and out. But typically, if, if I have a man out on my basketball team, we'll just play five. I expect all my guys to be able to run the entirety of the game, which is 44 minutes. Now, last one here. It's funny that this past weekend, your race was marred by pit road penalties. Uh, a lot of people mentioned when we put out your actions detrimental bracket last week. If you haven't seen that, go check out uh, the Dirty Mo YouTube channel. It's on my page as well. It's on your page as well. At Denny Hamlin. At Denny Hamlin, yes. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, I'm on TikTok? You are. Hmm. Arr. Okay. Um, they, they asked why uh, was pit road penalties not seated one through eight. <laughs> and now that you mentioned the, the differences in, in the pit roads in Richmond, right? How you can run around the top, gain more speed. Is there a track where you have accumulated the most pit road penalties for a reason like that, that you can push it here or there? That you I, can't I, I, I'm going to have to say Richmond's probably one of the top of the list for sure. Because um, of that? No. Um, I, I don't know why. I mean, I certainly have cost myself victories at, at at Richmond by speeding on pit road. And I, uh, we, okay. People in the media have to understand as well. Not p all pit road penalties are created equal. That's what I'm getting at. Many pit road penalties that I have throughout a year. And by the way, I've not been at the top of the list for the last few years. So that, that stereotype is wrong. Um, uh, you know, maybe total team penalties. I think last year we had 20 something, right? But, you know, speeding was just a very small bit of it. A lot of times I will speed after, say, I have damage and we're fixing something on pit road. Uh, I'll speed uh, during there just to find limits of lights and stuff. Um, truthfully, there's not much to be gained nowadays from speeding on pit road. And never. Uh, you know, I can't remember the last time I sped on pit road by just being aggressive. Hey, I'm I'm trying to push my lights. It's never usually that instance. It's always when um, a, a I'm trying to learn something. There's a curve in the pit road, and so I'm trying to find where my limit is. Or B, I'm accelerating. Most of my speeding penalties have been accelerating out of the pit box, and when I shift to second gear, oh, I'm too far past my lights. Like. I over revved first gear too far. Uh, so when I shifted, I've been over that way. So, um, 
but again, uh, pit road penalties, especially speeding under green, that is a game over. You're screwed. Um, I, I said many times too, you cannot come from the back to the front now <laughs> if you make a mistake. Um, this my second penalty was I was done anyway. It was you know 15 laps to go, and I'm running 13th or something like that. So uh, again, I'm trying to get to a 11th and and made a mistake and ended up finishing 20th. But um, but we recovered from the first one um, and we were fast. But it's just uh, you know sometimes sometimes risk reward is it, it's not worth it. Um, I know throughout my career I've made countless speeding penalties that have cost me races and. You know, Chris Gapehart, my crew chief, has really helped on the risk reward. And I think over the last few years, I've certainly done a better job at it. So the stereotype is not accurate. That's no, it's what not you're accurate. You just look at look at real world stats. Now, there's some that are super exceptional. Kevin Harvick never has a speeding penalty. Um, he's really good at it. Joey Logano, I think, has very few uh, speeding penalties. I could be wrong, but I, I, I you rarely see him go to the back. Uh, they're just they're really good at it. They got a great craft. We're headed to Bristol Dirt this weekend. Uh, beginning of the show, you didn't sound too excited about that. No, I, I listen. I am. Um, I, I'm not excited about us racing on Easter. I think that that's so. It's an Easter thing, not yeah. A, I think not it's, a dirt I thing. think it's wrong. Um, but you know, we have to realize the reason that we're doing it on Sunday night is because the ratings will be better um, than Saturday night. What's most logical is we race Saturday night and give these team guys let them go home to their families on Easter. But um, you know we're we're an important negotiate uh, TV negotiating window, so we're we're gonna do whatever it takes to uh, be in the in the prime TV spot, and and I think it probably it might be on Big Fox as well. So when it all shakes down at the end of the year, does that bump you get from racing on Sunday versus Saturday really matter? I, I guess I'll, every every viewer that, matters. Yeah, right? I'm but, assuming it probably all matters, right? I mean, you you probably take you know when when. Uh, but NASCAR presents to TV that are an interested bidder. They're they're going to take the whole lump sum, right? And they're going to average it all out. So if you can get, you know, five hundred thousand more or a million more you do because you race takes. on Sunday night, even though it's Easter, um, over Saturday night, it bumps their average up slightly, and it you know numbers equal numbers, and the more numbers you have, the more money you're probably going to get. So. Um, you know, I know that's an important part of our schedule. Uh, it is just very, very tough for the teams because we've gone from two off weekends a year to one. And, um, yeah, it's it's really tough on these teams. I wish we could come up with some some sort of alternative uh, to, to uh, racing on Easter. This is the third year now of the dirt race. Is that right? Third it season? is, yep. Uh, had a great shot to win the first one. Uh, ran third. I, I was second to Joey Logano on a green-white checkered. Uh that race raced like an asphalt race. Like the track got so rubbered up that it was really like an asphalt race. Um, I enjoy it. I really do. I last year was kind of a disaster. We had overheating problems. I think I eventually blew up because we had some issues with our screening uh, of of our cooling. But um, I do. I look forward to it. Uh, I think uh, last year's race was super exciting with Chase Briscoe and uh, Tyler Reddick. Um, Kyle Busch luckily got that win Whew, or else he would have been out of the playoffs last year. Um, but man, it's, uh, that track, once it gets slicked off, 
and you know they kind of just let it go and they're done watering it that track slicks off where it is multiple grooves and it's it's super fun to watch um and it certainly is different now would i like to see it at a normal uh you know purpose-built um dirt race yeah you know most most notably because bristol is just that's a great racetrack right and to cover that track up with dirt i think it worked the first year i know that uh nascar really boasts on we had the most engagement the most excitement around the bristol dirt race the first year we did it but now we're in year three right and like eventually everything gets kind of okay well we've seen that before so you know i i don't know it, it we'll see if they will we see if they do it in, in 2024 but 50 50 maybe any insight into who's going to be good this weekend Mm, nope. No idea. Um, I would listen to the boys at Dirty Modo, um, but, you know, I feel like I'm as educated as they are on it, but it's going to be super hard to pick <laughs> the, um, the, the, the winner or the guys. I mean, Reddick, I don't know that has a ton of dirt experience, but he's been up front at most of these dirt races. Uh, Chase Briscoe, uh, obviously, is, is, will be a contender. You would think Kyle Larson, Chris Rebell, but you know they really haven't been part of the story at the end of these races that much. Uh, a lot of it is because once these tracks get slickened off, it uh, it races a lot like an asphalt track. So um, I did listen to Dirty Modo uh, last week, and man, they were all in on Denny Hamlin last week in Richmond, and uh, I think the the professor might have said that I was going to win. Well, he was right until he was wrong. So sorry for all the betters out there that you know i let down trust me i i cost myself more than probably you lost on a ticket on me that's for sure <laughs> well i guess first things first this weekend is fingers crossed for the weather because i keep looking at that i know there's, there's you, rain in the forecast we were giving you in the bus about it you're like hey you see uh, it's supposed to rain next sunday i'm like jared it's more than seven days out like even if the, there's even if, the meteorologists would tell you like three to four days out you can pretty much book it whatever they say is going to happen is going to happen but seven days. No, I agree. Come on, bro. But if I look at the forecast and it shows rain, like if it shows a rain cloud on the forecast, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those aren't just going to change to sun, right? They may, it may not rain all those days, but it's not going to completely flip flop. You're right. And I so we're going to get rain at some And point. I looked at the window and Easter weekend here in Charlotte, I was so looking forward to it. It's supposed to be cold and rainy. Damn it. It's supposed to be nice all week except for Friday, will, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So and I'm we usually kind of have somewhat of the same weather as Bristol only. We're a little yeah, bit warmer. It's only a so. couple hours away. Um so hey, this week, it's a big week for me. Appeal week. That's we'll right. talk we'll talk about it. My appeal uh is on Thursday. Um so will we know Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. we'll know Thursday, uh, you know, probably around the same time. Uh, I think Hendricks got it released uh, at five o'clock on their on their appeal day. Now I I don't even know actually the time um, that my appeal is. Uh, hopefully it's early because I got a father daughter dance that I cannot miss. Um, hmm, I probably need to coordinate that to make sure it it doesn't run in. It, it shouldn't run into that because that's not till six o'clock. But uh, yeah, I'm prepared. Uh, I've got a case. We'll talk about that case on Monday. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, you know, I, I'm looking forward to getting in a room with those guys and, and having a discussion for sure. 
there you go. Tune in on Monday. That's the best cliffhanger you can leave on this episode. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you, you know me. I'm not going to... I won't have uh, many filters for sure, but uh, I, you know, probably in this instance, I, I probably have, should have a little more. But um, again, I'm going to shoot you straight. I'm going to be honest. This week's on DH. I f***ed up. Wrecked JJ on accident. My fault, JJ. You'll hear from me. Like, follow, subscribe at Dirty Mo Media across all socials, at Denny Hamlin across all socials. Um, and I'm Jared D. Allen. We'll see you next week. See you guys. A new episode of Next Level with Andrew Curlin is out now. Be sure to hit follow whenever you listen to podcasts and never miss another Next Level conversation. Check out Dirty Mo Media on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.